the story of Christmas, the big story, is made up of a number of smaller stories. Stories about angels, about shepherds, wise men, Mary and Joseph. And in all of these stories, we see God speaking to people. And think about that this morning. All the stories of Christmas, it's God speaking to people, God delivering messages. And I got to thinking about this, and and it dawned on me, why would God record these stories about how he spoke back then if he didn't want to use them to speak to us today? And last Sunday morning's message was a little bit different for a Christmas message. This will even be different for a Christmas message. But I think it brings the heart of what God is trying to say to people, all of his people all over the world. And last Sunday we looked at the story of Zacharias and the angel Gabriel. And I'll take just a moment to kind of set it up in case you weren't here or didn't have time to hear the message. But this priest, Zacharias, was old. He was up in years. His wife is old. They were barren, never had children. And one day while he is in the temple doing his service, offering up incense to God, praise and worship for the people, an angel appears. It's the angel Gabriel, Gabriel by name. And he tells him, you're going to have a son, and in essence, it's going to be who we would know to be John the Baptist. And there's a whole encounter there, and I shared several thoughts out of that story. And and just to go back to it for just a moment, We talked about the fact that we can sometimes give up on God's promises, as Zacharias did. We can become so consumed with our religious service that we stop expecting God to show up in new ways, as Zacharias did. We can become so overwhelmed with our circumstances that we begin to doubt God's power, as Zacharias did. And oftentimes... God's provision is more connected to his purposes than our purposes. And God tends to answer our prayers when we answer his call. And finally, last week, we talked about the fact that when God drops something special into our lives, like a John the Baptist, it comes with responsibility. We have to steward God's blessings with purpose. His purposes. Well, today I want to look at a connecting story. If you go back and read Luke chapter 1, you find it there. It's a story that connects, and I'll show you how it connects in a few minutes. Luke chapter 1, we'll be reading in just a moment. We're going to look at the story of Mary, who had become the mother of Jesus, and this same angel, the angel Gabriel, the same one that appeared to Zacharias. And then I want to share a a few thoughts out of three scenes in this story. Before I begin, let let me just give you a foundational thought. It's really important I start with this today. If you are a follower of Christ, God has a calling on your life. I want you to know this. If you are a follower of Christ, God has a calling on your life. He has a purpose for your life bigger than what you know all by yourself. And God's calling will fit your natural gifting, but it will also require something that only God can provide for you. And that's the work of his Holy Spirit. 
I want to get into some of this today. So look at Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse number 26. Now in the sixth month, now pause a moment. In the sixth month, it's talking about the sixth month of Elizabeth and Zacharias's term of having this son, John the Baptist. So in other words, Gabriel has showed up to Zacharias six months later is where we're at here, okay? Verse 26, now in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. I want to pause here. We're going to read more into this story in a couple of minutes. But I want to start with this story and set the scene. Six months after Gabriel has appeared to Zacharias and said, you're going to have a son, John the Baptist. Six months later, this same angel, Gabriel, and we talked about it last week. Gabriel is an important angel. When he showed up to Zacharias, Zacharias didn't know who he was, and he began to doubt God and question God and not believe. And, And Gabriel, in essence, said, look, I'm Gabriel. I'm not just the garden variety angel that shows up now and then. I'm an important angel. I stand in the presence of God. I'm the one who appeared to Daniel back in the Old Testament. I'm an important dude. And what he said to Zacharias was, I'm going to close your mouth so you can't say a word to mess up what God's trying to do here. I don't need any more doubt spoken into this situation, any more questions about God's power. So this is a powerful angel. And he shows up in a whole different city many miles away to this young teenage girl 13, 14, 15, 16 years of age, whose name was Mary. Scripture says she's a virgin. Now, let me take this thought and just expound on it for a minute. There's something to be said about purity. Let me say it this way. There's something to be said about holy living. The importance of godliness godly living the angel gabriel shows up to a young lady because evidently she has a right heart and she has purity of heart now if we go back to last week when the angel shows up to zacharias it says that zacharias and elizabeth are old but they're godly people they've served god their whole lives you can't find fault with those people And so God sends this angel to these godly people. And now here this angel Gabriel shows up to this young lady named Mary. The scripture tells us she has a pure heart. She has a godly heart. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, there's a passage of scripture, and I'm not going to take time to read it today. But the Apostle Paul shares this principle that ties in here. Paul said that if you go to a castle or go to a mansion, to a very expensive home, even in a a very expensive place, you find all kinds of dishes in the kitchen. You find bowls that are used for mixing. You find bowls that are used that are just earthenware or clay, and they're just the the dishes that you use that you don't present to everybody. But they're, they're still important. But then there's the china. There's the expensive stuff that you set on the table for guests. And and Paul makes this analogy. He said, we have a decision to make as followers of Christ on what quality of people we want to be. 
He said we can become vessels of honor if we'll separate ourselves from evil. If we'll separate ourselves from ungodliness, we will become vessels of honor that God can use for his purposes. And I want to tie into this today because there's something to be said about people who want to live godly lives. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about what we call the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If in the original writings, what it literally says is, blessed are the pure in heart, for God will reveal himself to them. And you know, in, in the last several years, we've preached grace so much in the church. And I think it's good. I think it's important to preach a strong message of grace. But I think some of us in some cases have abandoned the message of holiness. And it's kind of like, well, God doesn't care how you live. Jesus paid for all that on the cross. Don't you kid yourself. God cares about the commitment of our hearts and our lives that we make to him. And God looks for godly people. God looks for people who want to live holy lives that he might use them for his purposes. I'm glad you all are clapping because second service gets really quiet. I love first service. I appreciate those of you at home jumping up and down right now saying, preach it, Pastor Gary. Now, let me go a little further. I can walk you all through scripture, but let me give you one illustration of this. Old Testament. God talked about holiness and God chose a man, David, to be a king over Israel when they needed a godly leader. And it said that God chose David over all of his brothers, not because of his looks, but because of his heart. And it said because of the condition of David's heart, God chose him to lead his people. See, some of us have great aspirations. Well, I want to do something great for God. Well, you know where it probably begins? It probably begins with the condition of our hearts and the way that we live and express our lives to God. Well, that, that's just legalism. No, it's not. It's scripture. Now, let, let me go one step further. How many of you are enjoying this? How many, how many of you want to go on to something else real quick? Let me give you one more illustration. You say, well, the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life. We sang about it today. Therefore, I am righteous in the sight of God. That's right. Righteousness is the work of God in our lives. Now, listen to me. Righteousness is what God does to us and how he sees us because of the blood of Jesus that gets applied to our lives. God declares that we are righteous. 2 Corinthians 5 says that God made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, God made him to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So by the blood of Jesus, God declares that we are righteous. He forgives our sins. He makes it just as if we never sinned. And he looks at us and says, I see you as righteous. But holiness is a different subject. God says, be holy as I am holy. What God says is, I make you righteous, now you need to choose to live a godly and a holy life that honors me. See, it's two different things. Righteousness and holiness, two different things. So I need to be aware that God knocks on the door of people's hearts who have a desire for his nature and character in their lives. And a committed heart usually precedes God's calling. A committed heart and a committed life usually precedes God's calling. Now let's go on. Look at verse 28. And having come in, this angel Gabriel says to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, isn't that interesting? 
I mean, the angel Gabriel did a similar thing with Zacharias. The angel shows up and, I mean, boom, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, this big, huge angel appears. And like I said last week, it's not a little dainty thing with wings. It's a big, huge warrior. And this big, huge dude shows up and says, rejoice and get excited about this moment. And it's like, whoa, what's going on here? I can imagine the terror that struck her heart for a moment when this large guy just shows up. He says, rejoice, rejoice. You're blessed among women. You're highly favored. Now look at verse 29. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. It's like, okay, you'll need to rejoice. What's this all about? Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid you found favor with God. You know, let me just lay this out. We're talking about angel Gabriel last week and this week. Let me, let me just tell you, God doesn't always send important messages via angels. How many of you are aware of that? How many have never had an angel show up that you know of? Okay, God doesn't always send important messages via angels. But yet God speaks to us in many different ways. And when God speaks to us, we need to consider the weight and the importance of that moment. See, I learned something about God as a young man. God doesn't waste his words. You know, I've never heard God speak to me or God doesn't talk to me very often. It's because God will talk to you when you need to know something. He's given you plenty to consider right here. Okay? So when God speaks to us, it's going to be important. But here's the thing. We need to be willing to hear God's voice. We need to be anxious to respond to God's voice. Because if we're anxious to hear and to respond, God will speak to us. Have you ever had God nudge your heart to do something? And that's like, I don't want to do that. And you don't do it. And several days later, God, won't you ever speak to me? I'll tell you why. Because you don't listen. So you see, when God speaks to us, it's important. And hearing God's voice should bring joy and honor to us. It's an honor to hear from God. It should excite us when God speaks to our hearts. And the angel says to Mary, Gabriel says, Mary, don't be afraid of the voice of God. Even though I'm about to tell you some things that are going to be way beyond your natural thinking, don't be afraid of the voice of God. See, some of us have backed away from the voice of God because we realize he's going to talk to me about things that are impossible for me. Absolutely. If it wasn't impossible for you, he wouldn't need to tell you. You could do it yourself. And what we need to understand is when God speaks to us, God's call on our lives brings us into partnership with him. Old Testament, New Testament. Old covenant, new covenant. Throughout scripture, you see the term covenant. It's, it's talking about contract. It's talking about agreements. It's talking about a partnership between people or a partnership between God and man. And, and what God does is when he calls us and puts a calling on our lives, he's calling us into a work of partnership with him. He's saying, I'm going to call you to do some things, but I'm going to be here to walk you through it and make sure it comes out successful. So when God calls us, it's about partnership. And something else I've learned through the years, 
don't be confused with your calling and other people's callings. Don't be confused by comparing your calling to somebody else's calling. You see, Gabriel was sent to a specific young woman named Mary with this message. It was the calling for her life. He came to Zacharias and Elizabeth with a different calling for their lives. He chose old people to raise a godly young man named John the Baptist. He speaks to a young woman to give birth to the Son of God. Each of us have an important calling in the sight of God. None of our callings are unimportant. So don't compare your calling to somebody else and say, well, I'm just not as important as them. Yes, you are. In God's plan, we're all important and we need to respond to his calling. We've all got a calling. Now, let's go a little further. Verse 31. So the angel continues. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Now, remember, he's talking to a teenage girl here who's engaged but not yet married. You're going to have a son. You're going to conceive. And you're going to call him Jesus. Isn't it interesting that this same Gabriel, when he showed up to Zacharias, says, you're going to call your son John. Shows up here and says, you're going to call your son Jesus. Pretty specific instructions. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. 33. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of the king, his kingdom there will be no end. And notice verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. You see, first the angel Gabriel greets Mary, tells her she's highly favored, don't be afraid of God's voice, then he begins to give her instructions. And I want to spend a couple of minutes, and I want, I want you to notice this with me. Mary begins to ask him a question. Can I tell you, God's calling will almost always cause us to ask questions. Well, how in the world are you going to do this? It looks impossible to me. God's calling on our lives will always cause us to ask questions but there are right questions and then there are wrong questions now, let me illustrate this remember Zacharias the angel said you're going to have the son da, 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 da. what does Zacharias ask him well how do I know you're telling me the truth can you give me a sign to prove who you really are and this is really of God I can't believe this in my old age that's what he said so Gabriel says, well, here, let me help you out. I'll give you a sign. I'll shut your mouth so you don't interfere anymore. That's the wrong question. To look at God and say, I don't believe you can do this. That, that's the wrong question. Can, can you prove yourself to me? But here's the right kind of question. Mary says, well, wait a minute. You say I'm going to have a son. I'm going to conceive. How can a virgin conceive a child? Now, that's an honest question. That's a sincere question. You know what I've learned about God? God rarely does things as we would. 
How many of you, if, if you're like me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of mental. I kind of think things through. How many of you can usually pray a prayer and then you can tell God nine ways to answer it? <laughs> and finally, when he answers it, he uses a tenth option that we would never have thought of. Because his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He's way up there. We're down here. We're thinking in terms of earthly uh, things and very limited. And he sees the whole big picture. And, you know, sometimes we get so bound up because we're trying to tell God how to do things. Mary just simply asked him, you know what? I understand what you're saying. But how can a woman such as me give birth to a child when I've never known a man? And the angel says to her, and boy, I, I hope some of you Bible scholars think this through. The angel says to her, here's how it's going to happen. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. And then the power of God will overshadow you. It's like the power of God will cast a shade on you. Where all of a sudden, when people see you, when you walk around, you will be a different person than what you were before. Now, I'm going to play with people's theology for just a minute here. We're a big tent here at the Bridge Church, so let me, let me play with your theology. Uh, isn't it interesting that this is 33, about 33, 34 years, maybe even a little longer, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? And we see... A baby being filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. We see Elizabeth, Zacharias. We see Mary being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see them prophesying. We see the gifts of the Spirit working in their lives way before that date. Some of you Pentecostals, your mind, your heads are spinning right now. Wait just a minute now. That doesn't, yes, it does line up. I've studied it myself. I've looked at it. You say, well, you're trying to confuse us? No, I'm trying to tell you something. If we'll open our hearts to God, the Spirit of God will come upon us. The Spirit of God will overshadow us. The Spirit of God will give us the power to do what we are called to do if we will trust the power of the Spirit. And, and God's calling is going to require us to depend upon the Spirit of God. You cannot, re, you cannot fulfill your calling without the help of God's Spirit. You can't do it. Now, let's keep going. I'm, I'm going to run out of time. Verse number 36. Here's what the angel says next. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Now, stay here, but pause here a moment. Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. They lived several miles apart, two or three days' journey for one to see the other. Evidently, Mary probably didn't even know that Elizabeth was six months pregnant. And the angel tells her, I mean, if, if it had been today, it had been all over Facebook. It had been all over Instagram. Everybody would have known about it. Mary would have been taking pictures of her stomach every day, showing the world, I'm going to have a baby. How many of you are glad that there was no Instagram and no, yeah, okay, you're with me. Just a moment of frivolity, Okay. But, but here's the point. The angel says, look, I know your head's spinning right now. And I'm telling you, it's only the Spirit of God working that can accomplish this. But you need to understand, your cousin Elizabeth, who's been barren, never had a child, she's six months pregnant. 
because God's doing something special in that family as well. Now, look at verse 37. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. If you don't take anything else home today, take this home with you. For with our God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Nothing's impossible. God's doing it there. God's going to do it here. Now look at verse number 39. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel was gone, departed from her. Now let me... Let me just take a couple of minutes here and talk about this. See, sometimes when God drops something in our heart and God speaks to us and he calls us to something, our first response is, well, that's impossible. That's impossible. Can I encourage you with something today? Your impossibility isn't the only one God's working on. If you look around this room today, God's working impossible things all over this building. If you watch online today, God's working impossibilities in people's living rooms all over this country. See, God's not just working one miracle. Well, you know, God's going to have to do this impossible thing. Big deal. Big deal. God's doing impossible things everywhere because that's his nature. What's impossible for us is absolutely possible with him. And so what the angel said to Mary was, look, I know this sounds impossible, but let me encourage you. You know your cousin? God's done something impossible there. God's working a miracle there. Just trust God. He's going to work this thing out. There's some people in this room today and watching online. You've been believing God for something miraculous to happen in your family, in your home, in your life, in some area. You've been believing God. Can I tell you today? Don't give up. God's answering prayers and doing miraculous things all around you. Keep believing God and trusting God. Keep believing you know, when God comes and says, this is what I want to do. Here's a calling. Here's a mission I have for you. He's looking for one response. It's the response of Mary. Whatever you say, God, I'm in. Let it be to me as you've said. See, some of us question, 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 question. And never take the time to say, God, I don't understand all this, but I'm in. I'm in. God needs us to say, I'm in. He needs her, his permission to let his spirit work in our lives. He needs our permission to do miraculous things. We need to say, God, I'm in. Whatever you want, I'm in. Now, going to finish up the message. Going to move quickly. Look at verse 39. Because now this, the scene's going to shift. Mary's had this visitation. What does she do? Immediately, immediately she runs to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's much older. She runs to visit her. Teenage girl, old women. Look at verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Remember those words, she went with haste. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to see. As soon as the angel left, teenage girl has just been told by an angel, you've never known a man, but you're about to have a baby. Oh, and your cousin Elizabeth, she gets all this. She's old, she's aged, but God's doing a miracle in her life. Immediately, with haste, Mary runs to hang out with Elizabeth. It's important. Because when God drops things in your heart, you better find voices of faith who will encourage you and nurture you and encourage you to believe God and trust God or you're going to struggle on the journey. Now, let, let me, I said that in a positive way, did I not? Okay, because I've got a little bit of profit in me, let me, let me just say it as a prophet would say it. Some of us need to quit hanging out with those people who are telling us it can't happen, it can't work, it can't happen, it can't work, God can't do it. You listen to that and listen to it and feed on it and it will cause you to give up on what God has said to you. We preach this all the time. We need to surround ourselves with voices of faith. People who will nurture, confirm what God is saying to you. And if needs be, if needs be, God will send some voices of faith to confirm to you what he's saying. If you need that, God will send it to you. It's intriguing. It's intriguing. Mary left her family. I don't know how she worked this all out, but she left her family and she went to her cousin's house two or three days journey away because she needed to be in an atmosphere that would feed the message of God. One of the reasons, thank you, Chris. One of the reasons, this is good. This is, he's a smart man. He knows this is good. <laughs> he's a spiritual man. He knows this is good. See, God's speaking to some people today. Do you know why? One of the reasons why I tell people you need to be in church every opportunity you get is because this is a place that will feed the dreams that God's put in your heart. We won't kill them, we'll feed them. Man, you, you can go to 17 other places today and never find encouragement. I started to say something, but I don't need to say that. The Holy Spirit's talking to people right now. Some of us need to get away from people who are trying to discourage us and start walking with people who will encourage us. Well, it's good preaching. When I was 19 years of age, I've told you a little bit of my story. When I was 19 years of age, <clears throat> God began to deal with my heart about going into ministry. I've been raised in church. I knew God. I was kind of involved in ministry, but God began to deal with me about becoming a pastor, going into ministry, preaching. And I didn't come from a pastor's home. My dad owned a gas station. There were, at that time, there were no, no ministers in my family anywhere. And so I was struggling with this. I knew in my heart what God wanted, but I was struggling with it. And I just felt like, God, I, 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 I don't know. If this is you, I, I, how am I going to know? 
How do I get there from here? You know what God did? God put a couple people in my life. And one day, this was a pastor in town, young pastor. We're out on the golf course. And I, I told him a joke. And he's getting ready to tee off, hit the ball. I told him a joke, and he, he, he was laughing. He had to stop. He paused, and he looked at me. Got ready to hit the ball, and looked back and said, Gary Martin, you are so ornery. God's probably going to call you to preach because of your honoriness. <laughs> and when he said that, the Spirit of God went all over me, and God said, you wanted somebody to confirm it? There it is. See, let me, see, let me show you the picture here. Mary walks into Elizabeth's house, and as soon as she greets her, this babe, John the Baptist, leaps in her mother's womb, in his mother's womb. And Elizabeth says, Wow, wow, just being around people of purpose stirs me up and gets me excited. It stirs up the calling on my life. Friend, I'm telling you, you need to be around people of purpose because it will draw you closer to God and encourage you to move forward in your calling in life. It'll do that. Let me finish. Finally, last part of this story. Luke chapter 1, verse 56. And Mary remained with her about three months. And then she returned to her house. So Mary goes there when she's about six months, when Elizabeth is about six months along. And she stays until it's time for her to deliver. And then she goes back home. Mary's there to encourage her, and Mary's there to be encouraged. But then, when the time is right, Mary goes back home. There's a time to lean on others, and then there's a time to lean on God and walk your walk of faith. Boy, you need to be surrounded with the right voices, but there comes a point in time when you have to walk out your calling and nobody else can walk it out for you. And as encouraging as old cousin Elizabeth was to Mary, there came a point in time where she had to go home and walk out her own calling. She had to deal with Joseph. She had to deal with her family. She had to deal with the in-laws. I mean, can you imagine trying to explain to everybody, yeah, I'm pregnant, but it's God that did this. I mean, she needed some preparation, and she got it. But there came a point in time when she had to walk the walk of faith. It kind of reminds me, there's a story where Jesus went up on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, and he's transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John, three of his disciples, and they, they see the glory of God on Jesus and see him as he really is. And boy, Peter, you know, Peter's always the guy to speak up. Peter speaks up and says, wow, this is amazing. Man, while you're standing there, we see Moses, we see Elijah, we see you. This is the true mountaintop experience. Let's build three tabernacles and let's just stay here forever. And all of a sudden, God speaks and says, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. In other words, Peter, quit talking and listen. You see, we have these mountaintop experiences. Oh, God said he's going to do this and this and this. Great. Get your encouragement and get ready and then go walk your walk of faith because God's going to do great things if you'll obey his voice. It's coming. It's coming. You see, God will give us a season of excitement. God will give us a season of encouragement. And then he demands we walk out our purpose 
by faith. Moments of calling are really exciting. But moments of purpose demand obedience and action. Mary had her moments. I've had mine. We all will have ours. Hearing God's voice. Responding in faith. And the the very final thing. God's provision tends to come after our obedience, not before. Provision tends to come after we obey, not before. See, I'm sure with all all the questions Mary had about how do I tell Joseph and how do I tell the families and how do I tell my in-laws? I mean, I'm sure they're going to struggle with this. I mean, after all these questions, and what are we going to do? He's just a carpenter. And how are we going to raise this son? How are we going to... All these jillions of questions. Did you ever stop to realize that when the wise men came to see Jesus, he was probably two years old? Did you ever stop to realize that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, valuable gifts after Jesus was born, not before? A lot of us say, God, if you'll give me this and this and this, I'll do it. And God says, no, you do it and I'll give it to you. See, the answer to prayer comes when we answer God's call. Through the years, I've seen it so many times. When people take obedient steps of faith, God sends provision. I started with this. I'm going to close with it. If you're a follower of Christ, God has a calling on your life. You may not know it yet, but you will. You will. I want to pray for you today. Bow your heads if you would. Father, I pray you would take this word today and burn it into our hearts. God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you're talking to people all over this building. You're talking to people online. We are hearing from you today. God, I pray that you take this message and personalize it to every person right where they are. There's some people that you you need to check their hearts about, about some holiness issues. There's some people who closed off and said, no, I don't want to respond to God. You you need to check some hearts, Father. I ask you to do that. There's some people who are saying, I want to hear from God. Father, cleanse their hearts and speak to them. There's some people saying, God, you've spoken to me, but I'm I'm not sure how to do this. God, encourage them in their faith and their obedience. Help them look beyond their limitations and see your power and your possibilities. There's some people who are trying to figure out how to do this and they can't figure it out. That's because they need to learn to depend upon your spirit. God, speak to them today. Most of all, God, we open our hearts to you. And for the mission you called us to, we pray this prayer. God, I'm in. Let it be to me as you desire. Whatever you want of me, I say yes to you today. Heads are still bowed for one more moment. It just might be that there's some people in the house today. People watching online and you're saying, yeah, but I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. No, but it might be that right now, God, by his spirit, is knocking on the door of your heart and you're realizing God has a lot more for you than what you've experienced thus far. It's time for you to Commit your life to the Lord and surrender your life to him and let Jesus become not just your Savior, but the Lord of your life. 
God needs you to say yes so he can begin to do the work he wants to do in you and through you. So I want to lead you in a prayer today and I'm going to ask everybody in the house, everybody at home listening to this, pray this prayer with me and wrap your heart, your faith around these words. Let these words become your words. Let God begin to work in your life. Let's pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. I open my heart to you. I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Become my Savior. And I ask you to become the Lord of my life. I will follow you. From this moment forward, you'll be my Father. I'll be your child. Teach me your ways. Give me your direction. And I will follow you. I thank you for calling me. I thank you for receiving me today. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you've just been away from God and you realize it's time to come home, got a little booklet, a little tool we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's just a simple tool that will help you begin your journey with God. It's our free gift to you. If you're watching online, instructions are on the screen as to how you can receive an electronic copy of this. If you're here in the building today, there's two ways you can get this. The conclusion of service, there'll be prayer teams on each side of the building down front. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. Just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you. There are no strings attached. If you're in a big rush, out in the lobby, in the middle of the glass doors where you exit the building, there's a counter set up there with a screen. You can get the same booklet there. Just stop by and say, can I get the booklet? It's our gift to you. We want to help you get started walking with God. And we welcome you today into God's family. Can we just welcome new believers together? God bless you. And I was three minutes long today. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's okay. That's okay. Conclusion of our service. This is the time where we worship God with our giving. And, you know, we no longer pass the offering containers the way we once did. If you're in the building and you have a physical gift you want to give, there are offering envelopes in the back of the chairs. There are giving stations on each side of these doors as you exit. There's one by the children's check-in area. If you want to give a gift there. If you want to give a different way online or however you give through your bank account, thank you for your faithfulness. Let me share one thing with you. One of the things I love about the Bridge Church is you are giving people. Your giving amazes me week by week by week. Last week we had our Adopt-A-Child program. And can I just tell you that real quickly each service, all of the children were adopted like that. And there were a lot of people who were turned away. Uh, You are such giving people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So got to thinking about it this week. We have a, a couple in our church, family in our church, the Calderons, who spend most of the year in Columbia doing ministry there. And they have a project coming up right at the end of this year. They're helping women who come from all kinds of backgrounds, single moms with kids. Some have come out of prostitution. Some have come out of drug and alcohol abuse. Some have come from other abusive situations. They're trying to get their lives together and they're teaching them life skills so they can make a living for their children, take care of their children. Right now they're helping about 60 women trying to get their lives in order, which encompasses about 100 kids. 
And at the end of this month, they have a special event that ties to Christmas where they want to bless these mothers and bless their children this time of the year because they live in poverty, they need a lot of help. So we got to thinking about it and we thought, you know, for those of us who didn't get an opportunity to adopt a child here in the church, maybe we want to adopt some children and adopt some of those ladies down there in Columbia who are needing the help. So here's what we're going to do. All of the money that comes in this week for missions, if you want to give towards this, Mark it towards missions. Everything that comes in for missions this week, we're going to commit it to that project in Columbia. And we asked the Calderones this week, they were telling us about the program, and, and in texting and asked them, well, do you have this all lined up? No, we're going to do this. We're doing it by faith. We're believing God for provision. How many of you believe today God might just be calling us to be a part of this? So if today, you know, the next 24 hours, however you choose to give, if you'll give something towards this, we'll make sure it gets earmarked for this project in Columbia. And I promise you, we're going to make a difference in a lot of people's lives. God bless you today. Have I covered it all? I've covered it all. Hey, God bless you. We love you guys. Thank you for being so generous and so faithful. Have a great, great week, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.